this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It's wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So let me, let me ask you a question. When it comes to Christmas, what is your common emotional response? Now, listen, don't, don't think of the answer you think you're supposed to give. Like, like where does Christmas land for you? For, for many of you, perhaps for, for most of you, it is like, as the song says, the most wonderful time of the year. It's a time of joy. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of being with family and friends and exchanging gifts. Like, like, like you're still like a little kid. The Christmas, you love it. You look forward to it. You enjoy it. But then there's the other side. For some of you, perhaps, if you're being real honest, although you put on the brave face and you try to be jolly, Christmas is hard. It could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe for some of you, you are going through some health issues or you're waiting upon what the doctor is going to say. And although you want to be festive and you want to be celebratory, there is a real sense of worry. For others, Christmas is hard because you're around people that you're often not around and there's a sense of brokenness with them. There's some hard relationships to navigate and, and sometimes the, the holidays just brings that out. Or, or maybe there's someone who should be at the table but is not at the table. For others, it could be hard because maybe you're in a place at work where things are not going well. Or maybe you're out of work and you're thinking, I just need something or this Christmas is going to be nothing. Maybe you're a student and I know come January, February, <laughs> exams hit and there's a sense of stress and worry and you can't really get into that festive holiday mood. For others, Christmas is hard because you're grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe recently or it's been years and years but Christmas always brings back the reminder that they are not with you anymore. This, this Christmas season, this Advent season, we've been walking through this series called Unwrapping Presents, Encountering God at Christmas. And we continue to come back to this promise that God gives us throughout the Bible. And it's the promise where he says, I am with you always. And so this has been a series that we've wanted to look at to say, listen, let's, let's allow these not simply be words we say or words we sing, but, but the life we live. And so today, I want to land at the place of looking at how do we experience the, the presence of God in the midst of hurts? Because sometimes we may land at the place of wondering, like, God, are you there? God, do you really care? So I want to turn to two places in the Bible. The first is to one of the Old Testament prophets, a guy by the name of Micah. And then I want to turn to the words of Jesus and and really show how even though these words were spoken over 750 years apart, they really hit at the same truth of how we can experience the presence of God even in the midst of hurt, of difficulties, uncertainty, and unrest. Let's start first with the prophet Micah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not so sure um, how familiar you are with, with, with the Old Testament, but, but the Old Testament is a period of time before Jesus came, before Jesus was born. And, and the prophet Micah was someone who lived 750 years before Jesus. Did, did you know that, that scholars actually talk about how there are over 300 prophecies, predictions that are fulfilled in the person of Jesus? Now, I... I say that as a bit of an aside because maybe you're someone who sometimes struggles with the reliability of the Bible. Like, like can it really be trusted? 
Understand that the Bible is not just a collection of stories, but rather it's God's stories, oftentimes making promises that are yet to be fulfilled. So why do I say all this? Because if I'm reading something and it's just telling me what has happened, that's interesting. But if I'm reading something that speaks of what is yet to happen and then it occurs, that gets my attention. That's the amazing thing about the Bible, particularly when it comes to many of the prophets, and Micah is one of those. So so Micah lived 750 years before the time of Jesus, and it was at a time when the nation of Israel was in a rough spot, primarily because they had poor leadership. If, if, If you start to follow the story of the nation of Israel, oftentimes their greatest problems is when their leaders were unfaithful, when the judges and prophets and priests kind of turned their back upon God. And as a result, God would often send a prophet, in this case Micah, to come and to declare what they needed to do. And in this instance with Micah, there's two primary messages, one of judgment and one of hope, which seems like a rather unusual tension. Like, like, like how do you have difficulties and hope in the same breath? This is where we begin to see the beauty and the reality of God with us. And so I want to I turn to the prophet Micah. Because he is speaking about a new leader, one that will lead them in the ways of God. And there's two promises in here that I want to lock into here today as we think of where is God with us in the midst of the hurt. So Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, right off the hop, we see one of these first prophecies being spoken of and then fulfilled. It says, O Bethlehem, you are only a small village among all the people of Judea. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored around the world and he will be their source of peace. What what Micah is talking about is how even in the midst of horrible leadership, God has not abandoned his people, That, that he is going to be sending a leader, the Messiah, the one who will shepherd God's people in God's ways. And this is the promise of Jesus. Micah actually speaks of, of where this Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, which is, which is interesting. But the place I want to land is on an even greater promise, a promise that speaks to how can we experience the presence of God in the midst of our hurts and difficulties. And that's in the very final line when he says that this Messiah, this leader, will be our source of peace. Hmm. Peace. When, when you think of peace, what, what comes to mind? Um, probably it's a sense of calm. It's the absence of conflict or difficulty. It's no problems. It's, it's no hurting. It's, it's no issues. Yet this is not what often God offers us when he speaks of peace. And this, this goes back to what I've talked about every single week in this series, that one of the greatest barriers, one of the greatest issues we need to step away from is believing that the circumstances we face are the evidence towards God's presence with us. 
That each week I say, listen, listen, we, we often follow this trap of thinking, if, if things are going well, then, then God must be with us. But, but, but if things are not going well, then, then, then maybe God has abandoned us. But there is something greater going on. You see, when the prophet spoke, he was speaking that there is going to be upcoming difficulties and hardship. And that when you think of even when Jesus did arrive, the, the, the prince of peace, the source of peace, it's not like suddenly everything magically got better for the nation of Israel. Even following his life, his death, and his resurrection, those that followed Jesus, their, their life externally wasn't more peaceful. It was actually more tense and gripping. And so, and so what does it mean when we talk about Jesus is our source of peace? I think we're mistaken and we fall short if we think that Jesus is just the one who's going to come in and, and solve all our problems and take care of all of our difficulties and then, and then we'll experience peace on our own. No, no, it's something even greater. I want to turn to the words of Jesus and, and understand the context of when Jesus is saying this to his disciples. It's on the night he's about to be arrested, the following day he's going to be crucified. And his disciples are flipping out. Jesus actually starts it by saying, listen, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Like, like when your hearts are troubled, there's not a whole lot of peace going on. But then Jesus speaks these words, and this is where I want to land for the rest of our time. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus says this, I am leaving you with a gift. I mean, Jesus is speaking of how he is going away. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. I, I love those words of Jesus. He's speaking of a gift, the gift of peace. But he says straight off the hop, it's not like the peace that you can find in this world. Jesus is speaking of the fact that it's, it's, it's a peace that is not based upon the absence of tension or difficulties. It's not based upon your circumstances necessarily getting better. It's based upon something even greater. Jesus is speaking of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like, let that sink in for a moment. That the Spirit of God is not only with us, but is in us. When Micah spoke of the Messiah being our source of peace, when Jesus says, I will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the peace is the reality of God, not only at work in our lives, but at work in us. It's something the early church needed a, a continual reminder of. The Apostle Paul, one of the, one of the great leaders of the early church, near the end of his life, after he had faced many trials and difficulties, a, a life that, that because of Jesus externally did not have a whole lot of peace. Speaking to a group of Philippians from a jail cell, he reminds them of the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. I love, I love that phrase, passes all understanding. It, it, it reminds me I, that, that this peace that Jesus gives, when you look at it from the external perspective, makes absolutely no sense. Why? Because oftentimes the peace of Christ is not necessarily changing our circumstances, but it's changing us within. Don't you want that? I mean, what does that look like? How do, we, how do we begin to grasp that sense of peace? I think it means we look in the right place. 
We don't just simply look to Jesus to solve our problems. We look to Jesus to fill our life with his peace. Let me, let me give you a bit of a mental image that, that is helpful for me. Think of, think of a child. You see, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he talks about how we need to have childlike faith. Not, not childish faith, but we all know that there are certain things that kids do that are amazing. That for some reason, as we get older, we, we lose it. And one is their incredible dependence upon those that love and care for them. As we become elders, uh, older, we, 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 we try to become more independent. We, 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 we try to deal with all of our problems ourselves, but not little kids. And I think when Jesus speaks of a childlike faith, there is an image that we can begin to hold on to that helps us understand how we can begin to experience this peace of Christ. Think of a little child and make it personal. Maybe it's when you were a kid, or maybe it's one of your kids right now, or maybe it's when your kids or your grandkids were, were younger, or maybe it's one of the neighborhood kids. For me, I'm thinking of my oldest son, Isaac. He's now 18, but I remember there was a time when he was five years old, and we were out at a church picnic, out at the Edgar's farm. And it was an amazing afternoon. The sun was shining. The food was delicious. Swimming in the pool, playing games, when suddenly, really without warning, a crazy storm blew in. Like there was later on, we found out there was tornado warnings, like black clouds, wind was howling, branches were falling. Well, in an instant, everyone kind of packed up and left. But I remember my son, Isaac, he was on the far side of the field and he was kind of freaking out. He was playing, things were going well. And then suddenly his circumstances changed and he literally heel turned and he looked for dad. And he sprinted across the field and jumped in my arms. And I remember we, we packed all the kids in the car and, and the wind was blowing and branches were falling on the ground. And, and I, was, I was pretty worried. I was a little like, let's get home real quick. But there was a sense of calm within Isaac. Not because the circumstances had changed, but because my presence was with him. I remember holding Isaac and just, and just whispering to him, I am here. I am here. It's going to be all right. And just simply those words brought a sense of calm. Listen, he, I, didn't, I didn't solve the external problem. I didn't make the storm go away. It was my presence with him that brought him calm. When we think of Jesus as our source of peace, I believe the same is true for us. That we need to have childlike faith. That when we face difficulties or, 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 or troubles or hardships, that, that we don't try to sort it on our own, that, that we don't sit there and wait for God to sort it, but rather like a child calls out to a parent, we cry out to God. You see, peace as a follower of Jesus is not the absence of problems. It's knowing the presence of Jesus with us. You see, it's one thing for the Bible to say this, but I know it in my own life, that there has been moments and there has been situations where I've felt overwhelmed. But when I have cried out to God, I have experienced the peace of Christ that, that transcends all understandings. Because the circumstances that is going on around me does not translate into having a sense of peace.
What about you? I don't want to be flippant. I don't know what you are going through. But maybe you are in a difficult place. Will you allow Jesus to be your source of peace? Will you have that childlike faith where you simply cry out to God and allow his presence to embrace you, to allow the spirit of Jesus to fill you and to grant you this peace? As the Apostle Paul says, a peace that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus as our source of peace is the reminder that God is with us in the midst of all of life. And so will you turn to him and allow him to fill your life with his peace? Let me pray. And so gracious God, I I pray for those that are watching here today. Maybe deep within there is a sense of unrest. Maybe there's a, a sense of worry. And so often, God, we may try to sort it on our own. But I pray that they would reach out to you. That Jesus, through your spirit, as you promised this gift, that your presence would fill their lives. And that they would experience your peace. A peace that steps beyond any explanation other than knowing that you are with us. And so may your presence be with them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds this day and in all your tomorrows. Amen. Hi again, this is Leah. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispres.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. 
And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.